Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's a Cyclone Fanatic podcast on a Friday afternoon. It's the men's basketball post-mortem episode. Usually we record this from a hotel room, whether it be in Kansas City, Tulsa, did one in Chicago one year, but uh, obviously some different circumstances have put us in a position where we're doing it in the Cyclone Fanatic offices in Ankeny. You mean like a... Worldwide pandemic. A worldwide pandemic. We are not on self-quarantine yet, but we are in the Carl Chevrolet studios doing uh, doing the, the men's basketball postmortem. It's good to be back in the Carl Chevrolet studios. The Carl Chevrolet studios basically just go where we go. We are, like the Carl Chevrolet studios live with inside of us. I have a feeling that we're going to be spending a lot of time at the Carl Chevrolet studios in the next couple months. I think that you're probably right. I... I actually know that you're right because I know some of the ideas that we've got cooking and those can only be executed in the Carl Chevrolet studio. So we'll uh, talk about those more at a later date. But if you do want to buy a newer pre-owned vehicle, I don't know of anything that could distract you better from the coronavirus than maybe a brand new Chevy Colorado. You could get that at Wow, what a, what a sponsor, Reed. Get that at Carl Chevrolet. Hey. And Ankeny or Stewart. Don't get the coronavirus. Go to Carl Chevrolet. No, it's distracting you from the sad world that we now live in without sports. Did you see all the tweets last night about how uh, how people are expecting there to be more pregnancies in nine months because there won't be any sports? I don't get it. Well, I mean, not in nine months. More babies in nine to ten months than there would be normally. Oh, some more people are going to be making love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that it, I was uh, Crystal Bloom tweeted about that. And, sure, Brent appreciated that. Um, and then or maybe that's a passive aggressive comment yeah, maybe to that's, Bloom. That's that's kind of how I took that. Yeah, get to work, Brent. I mean, what is she saying about her current situation? Yeah, yeah. They only have two. One of them. <laughs> Like two months old, but oh, Bloom is so rolling his eyes right now. Oh yeah, hardcore. He's pissed that we. He's dare not a bring this not up. a fan of of what we've done right now. Uh, no, I, and I did say that this is a serious hit to your acting career. No, I'll Co- be back. You'll be back. I know. I mean, I know you'll be back. I'll be back. I hope they'll get you a bag of jumbo peas next year instead of. The we'll be ones. back. Don't you worry about my acting career. All right, it is just fine. Do you want to talk about your friends at Ames Eye? 
Yeah, we're going to give them a shout out as well. Ames Eye, Des Moines Eye, they are uh, great sponsors and they've um, been with us for a long time now. I don't I actually don't have my glasses on right now and I, I forgot to put them on. You're going to have a headache when and, you go do the And Dr. Kruger is not going to be happy yeah. that I forgot to put my uh, computer glasses on. But awesome people, support local, check those guys out. I care for the whole family. So anybody who's listened to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network for a while knows kind of what the drill is of the postmortem podcasts. Uh, this one will be a little bit different. I think it'll be a little more structured just because of the fact that it's not happening immediately after the last game. But you know, I want to start just kind of some final thoughts on the season, 2019-20. I don't even know what Iowa State's final record was, 12-20, and 20, I think. 13 12, and 12 and 20. Now, does the game Wednesday night officially count? Because the Big 12 tournament never happened. If we're going to be honest, does any of it really count? Well, there will be no national champion. Yeah. Like, how do, they, how do they look at that in the eyes of Major League Baseball when they didn't play the World Series? Does any of that count? Asterisk. Like, does Ken Griffey's home runs that he hit that year, do they count against his career total if they didn't finish the season? Yeah, I mean, it should. He hit. He physically hit the home runs. Okay, so then the season does count. So I was going to say, can, we can't just erase the entire season. No, I don't think so, because uh-huh. we all lived through it, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe if there's a way that we could absolve two of the worst losses in Hilton Coliseum history and uh, the Florida A&M loss. I was, Wait a I was just looking for a way to do the that. The Florida A&M loss, in your mind, wasn't one of the worst losses? Well, I was, th- I was talking on the scoreboard. Oh, okay. Like, uh, because by margin of defeat. I think that the... That's, that's the worst loss in the history of the building, without a doubt, when you think about the, all yeah. of the circumstances. You're probably right, but I also... Th- like, I remember um, back in the... I want to say Morgan's final year... You're probably right, but I, I, Chris, I would, the team literally came into the into the building rated as the three, no, number 353 team on I, Ken Palm. I know. Um, what I'm saying is, I remember that year, and I don't remember who it was. I think it was like, was it like Fresno State or what? Clones were ranked like 15th. Like at that point, we all still thought they were good. Mm-hmm. I think at the Florida A&M time, we were all pretty. Well, yeah, and they didn't have Tyrese, so. No, I, 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 I'm on record. I think that's the worst. Yeah. But um, what I'm saying is maybe this would be a good. Um, in fairness, the Rattlers maybe did this finish, would be third, a good column. finish third in the MEAC, I think. So they had a yeah. pretty solid uh, season by I, Florida. I think, the, I think that that loss was because I remember debating this on instant reaction after the Tech game. I think the Florida A&M one was worse. Yeah, it was. It's worse than just the sense of the optics. I mean, losing by 30 points to Texas Tech and, is not. And when it happened, like it was on New Year's Eve, everybody goes there just to, that's an ass-kicking game. Like yeah. you, the only reason you go to that game is because you're just, you're setting yourself up for a good night. They should never schedule another game on New Year's <sighs> Eve. Those are the worst. I hate those games. Might have to get in the ear of my City League teammate, Mike Byers, and give him my two cents on that deal. Awful. Uh, but no, that's. I think with with this season, you know, it was just weird because there were still moments where it was like you could see something. There's a little bit of excitement that could be created. Uh, you think about the win over Alabama down in the Bahamas. 
the win over Seton Hall in Hilton Coliseum. Uh, a couple of those wins that they had in Big 12 play, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, where you – it was exciting. But at the same time, you know, I think back to that 2017-18 season where they would have those moments, you know, the the win they had over Trey Young in Oklahoma that year. They beat West Virginia. Yeah. But the guys who carried them through those games were, you know, it was Lindell Wigginton. It was Cam Lard. Yeah. Guys that you knew were coming back the next year. Yeah. And then you look well, and at, you had that recruiting class. Coming. Right. And you had that recruiting class coming in. So it's like, even, like you got excited because it, it gave you a, a little bit of a look into what the future could potentially be and what, what it kind of ended up being with that team last season. But this year, you know, you, that Seton Hall game, we all thought that, man, these guys are, they're gritty as heck. You know, Tyrese proven to be one of the best players in the country. Uh, and, and they just beat up on a, a Seton Hall team that eventually went on to split the Big, D, Big East championship uh, with Creighton and Villanova. And, you know, not very long after that, I think we kind of came to find out, like, it was a little bit of fool's gold. Like they, you look at it, it's like Seton Hall didn't have their second best player, yeah, and all those kinds of things. I do think too, um, you know, one, uh, I wouldn't call it a positive, but a, they were how many games out of like fifth? Yeah, is that a positive or is well, that what I'm a saying way is, to look at it? Is no, what missed I, opportunity. I'm saying if if Tyrese doesn't get hurt, yeah, I think that they. I mean, they're not going to the tournament. No, but I think they would have beat Kansas State. So do I, and you I know, think that I think they could have beat West Virginia. That's my point. Yeah, probably so, could have won in Stillwater. While and, and then you know at the end without Bolton, they had mm-hmm. no chance. Yeah, they they would have won that game on Wednesday night if they had Tyrese or even Regier, really. Yeah. So it's not really an excuse, but I think it is more of a. Like, you have to factor that in when you completely assess the entirety of the season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But what I was going to say is just, like, you knew in that year, you knew, man, these guys, once you add all these other pieces to it, like, that gave you some excitement, some hope for what could be to come. You look at these big moments that they had this year, and it's like, and you look at it, and you're like, man, Tyrese is going to be gone. Uh, Prentice is going to be gone. Mike Jacobson's going to be gone. And even though they aren't like the craziest of big pieces, a, but like they are still like they were still important in those. Mike hit some big shots in that game against Texas. It was probably one of his best games he ever played. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm not. You know, I, I think that it's time to move some of these guys out. Yeah. I well, mean, I mean, yeah, I, I'm just sorry. Like I've watched enough of Jacobson and Prentice Nixon to know that well, I, they're gone anyway. Yeah, I yeah, know. But yeah. my point is like, all right, bring the freshmen in. Let's see what they've got. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, I don't think that, I don't think that Prentice Nixon starting as your two guard in the Big 12 is a recipe to go to an NCAA tournament well, after watching it. And that's where now, like, when we look back at it, well, how did we end up here? You know, you look at a lot of the dominoes that fell, and the fact of the matter is, you know. That was a miss. That was a recruiting miss. Yeah. I mean, a, a pretty massive one. And. Uh, surprisingly too surprise yeah i mean I, 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 all of us thought I, I think you and i were sitting in here when he committed and i think both of us felt like he could be a guy who came in and he, he would have been a nice piece on last year's team yeah and i remember bloom telling me that he thought uh prentice would be like a top 10 scorer in the big 12 
I, I don't might have not have that quote exactly correct, but it was something along better, those lines. You better be careful throwing that around. It was something along those lines. I promise you, if I went back to our Cycle Fanatic radio show and pulled up predictions for <laughs> Iowa State season in 2020, I, I know that there would be something like that in there. I just like, um, I'm at the point now, though, and you guys, if you haven't read it, my column after the game the other night, um, it's not really about the game at all. It's kind of like what we're doing now, but in written mm-hmm. form. And it probably got buried because there was so much going on with the coronavirus stuff at that time. But, um, you know, I write about this a little bit with the freshmen coming in. And, I mean, I, I just – I think right now there's a culture problem within, like, the players. And, obviously, that starts with recruiting and the coaches. I'm not yeah. letting them skate by. But I don't I don't necessarily know if, you know, losing – I'm kind of just ready to rip off the Band-Aid and start over. The thing that I... If that makes sense. Yeah. And the thing that I think needs to be asked is, and you wrote about that, this in the column a little bit, you know you touched on it. What's the identity of the program? It doesn't have one. No, it doesn't. I mean, and it had one with Fred, and it was the high-paced, high-flying offense, and, you know, as much as the transfers and things like that. But it was getting up and down, playing as fast as anybody in the country. And and, th- know, and putting up the three ball. I think I know what Steve wants it to be, but it hasn't translated. But they ha- and that's the problem. If we're going to be completely honest, he hasn't recruited to that. No, I mean, and that's what to me when he comes in and and talks about those things, that's what makes me raise my eyebrows because that's not the kind of guys that he's recruited. And well, I so let me ask you this though: like, wasn't Prentice supposed to be that? Yeah, but at the same time, Prentice was just a volume shooter at Colorado State. No, like, I know, and I get but I'm what talking about the yeah. defense and the grit and yeah. all that. And I think to a point he was. Yeah, but was, but but he, was Taylor Horton Tucker that? Or Lindell? No, but those guys were so obviously talented that I, I think that if you have a shot at them, like, you're not going to... Yeah, but... You know, you're not going to not bring them in. Do you get what I'm saying, though? It's like, no, you, I, you I look do. at what, like, that's I, what Bruce Weber does. I that's what if, Chris Beard does. I think, if anything, this next class represents that. Yeah, it's closer to it. I think that these guys... Are, are more with that. So I'm interested to – probably minus Foster. I don't think he really fits into that mold. Um, I mean, I don't think George Condit fits into that mold. No, not after watching this year. But I, I do think George, being that he's a big man, could potentially well, I, I think morph George, into that. George got – a rude awakening to what? Yeah, he's gonna have what a, it means to play night in, night out in the Big Twelve. He needs conference. to have a big off season. Yeah, like that. You know, I, I think that George Senior listens to the podcast most of the time. I, I'm guessing that that he's gonna be eating some big meals when he gets back home. Yeah, this uh, during spring break. It generally happens slower with the big guys. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah it's just that there's a reason that the big guys who come in and dominate as freshmen, look what they go and do. I mean, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, you're talking about the elite of the elite. That's what right I'm saying. There. Those guys, like, they go, yeah. and they're the number one pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. Like, because they're rare. It's so rare to get those kinds of guys who can go and do that kind yeah. of thing. George needs to – he'll work on his offense. Yeah. Which he, is obvious, and then he's got to put on some more weight. Now, he did that between his freshman and sophomore year, but he needs more. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just yeah, he just doesn't have – you can just see he doesn't have the strength – to withstand these guys. And it as college basketball starts to skew older and older, like you look at like what Freddie Gillespie looks like yeah. from Baylor or Yudoka Azubuke. I mean, 
It's no wonder George can't move people in the post. It's no wonder that people are able to score over the top of him because they can move him easily. And it's like, and it's nothing against George. It's like, it's just the way that his body is built right now. And he's got to put more weight on. He's got to get stronger. And until he does that, then he, then it's not going to change. Yeah. He, he's kind of a, so in that column that I wrote, I, I, th- I think I singled out three guys for next year who I feel like are capable of taking the step. Now I, I, I omitted the two freshmen and it's not cause I don't think that they'll get better and be contributors. I actually really like long-term Caleb grill and Trey Jackson, mm-hmm. but they shouldn't have been playing as much as they were this year. They were thrown into the fire. Yeah. And they will be better for it in the long term. But I, I, I would say that those two fit into what, yeah, what we're talking about. Absolutely. Here. And I think this next, cl- next class does too. Yeah. But I, I don't think like one off season and, and Trey's, I, I like Trey a lot or even Caleb, I think they're similar types of prospects are just going to like snap their fingers and be like a, um, a transition from like Naz from freshman to junior year. I don't think that that can happen from freshman to sophomore year with either of them. So like where, where can from within the program that, because this is the most important part, like we can talk about spring JUCOs and we can talk about transfers and freshmen, but those are all newcomers. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking about the player-driven stuff. Like, who can really take that next step? And I have Bolton, obviously, second in scoring this year. Got much more consistent as the season went on, which I like to see. Until Tyrese got hurt, and then he, yeah, but, be- he became the focus. And then he, yeah, it was a different position and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, and defense was just uh, I cut able him to s- key in on him. Like, yeah, I cut him some slack. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, he goes from being, yeah. you know, kind of under the radar a little bit to where – Correct. You know, everybody's gearing what they do towards him. I would go Condit for sure. Yeah. I think he probably, of anybody on the roster, I still think has the most upside. He has the most potential to make a major leap, I think. I, I would agree. Yeah. Like, I, I look at him and I, I would, if I'm Steve, and uh, I'm, I'm showing him Luca Garza tape, like, from sophomore to junior year. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, but it's hard work. Luca worked his ass off. Right. To get to that point. Who is my third? Uh, I, it was I miss, solo. Yeah, and, and Solomon Young. Now, I I tend to believe that Solomon is who he is. Like, I don't think that we're going to see, like, some transformation in Solomon Young's game. But he, when he finally started to look healthy, was the best player on the floor mm-hmm. for Iowa State at the end of the year. I also think a lot of that has to do with the way defenses were we're playing him, right? But I still think, like, if you're if you're realistically looking into next year and be like, what's a really good thing to build around? It's Solomon Young and George Condit down low, which is a problem because you don't want everything going through your bigs. But there's still a, a good, that's a decent core, yeah, that you can build around. Um, this Javon Johnson, I don't know enough about him. I think he's going to be a piece. I don't think this is not Mariel Shayok coming off of a transfer year. But it could be, you know, first-year Deontay Burton. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough about him. Uh, and we'll find out. He was a decent shooter when he was at Troy. He was really good as a freshman. He tallied off a little bit as a sophomore. So we'll see what he can bring to the table. But those are the guys who, you know, I kind of singled out. And then it comes to recruiting, which I know we're going to get into as well. Yeah. And, and I think the – you know, I think with these freshmen, like – do you think Trey Jackson could have played the role Donovan Jackson did on the 2017 team? Staying in the corner and shoot the ball? I mean, I think what we saw from him in Big 12 play makes you think that he could. 
For next year? No, like, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's the role he should have been playing. Not yeah, like I, having I to be know. like I mean, a he, ball handler. What, what did he end up shooting on the year? I mean, he shot like, I mean, close to 40% in Big 12 play. He started out there really for a while. Bad. He couldn't He's, hit a shot. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. He started out really bad, but he got much better towards the end of the season. Now, I, I remember preseason, everybody thought he was going to be a pretty good shooter. Um, Trey was a 33% free throw, three-point shooter on the year. So, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, if that he skewed so poorly at the beginning. Yeah, he shot almost 38% from three in Big 12 actually, play alone. He was eighth in the Big 12 in three-point shooting. I think Trey has more upside, like, career potential than Donovan Jackson did. Well, it helps that Donovan was only here for two years, too. And it, I also think Trey's just a really good, like um, – leader guy yeah. like I think that he's a culture guy who you could build around he could be um he's never going to be the big 12 player of the year but think about Melvin Edgem mm -hmm. where he started where he ended got better every year but most importantly he was a guy in the summer you know all over dudes asses that to me is Trey's role and it, I, again I don't think he ever gets to the peak that Melvin did Melvin was the best player in the big 12 Right. I don't think Trey will ever be that, but I think that he could be that type of a culture guy for this program going forward. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Caleb Grove is in the is in that same mold. Um, I do too. I really like both of those guys, and I hope you know. I hope that they have good people around them who. Right. And I, I'm I'm familiar with both of their families, and I, I know that they do. Who can keep them focused and not down on their freshman years yeah, because there were some rough patches, but I do think, you know, Caleb grill played his best game of the year in Kansas city. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? No, I agree with you. He played really good minutes against TCU in that home win. He um, showed what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. He showed, um, I mean, early on in the year, you're sitting there thinking like, man, this kid should be playing like in the MIAA. I mean, he, he did not look like he belonged, but he looked like he belonged by the end of the year. He came as far as anybody else on the team, I'd say, from day one to Yeah, I think him and the I, end of I, the season. I would put Bolton into that mix. Uh, yeah, he was he was, he was dinged up, too, uh, when the season started. I don't think a lot of people realize that, and I think that that may have had something to do with his inconsistencies mm -hmm. towards the beginning, but I think he got more comfortable. He still has a lot of room to grow, I think, in the, you know. Yeah intangible area and and hopefully now after being on campus for a year that can kind of happen this offseason yeah and now as we look into you know the offseason I, I mean the first thing we have to say is that as of right now today Iowa State does not have an open scholarship we know that Tyrese is going to leave like yes and I would put that at like I know that there's some people out there that try and say, oh, it's like he's, you know, a special kind of kid. Maybe he'll come back. I would say it's like 99.99999% sure Tyrese is going professional. Like that. Yeah, he's going to go pro. Right. And like, I don't want to say 100% because he hasn't said that publicly, but that like, I'm pretty damn confident in that. And there's no reason for him not to. No. So that's one, you know, that's one scholarship. And I think the reality is, and we don't need to name names because it's like that's pure speculation. But I think the reality is, is there will be at least one guy who is not on this. There that was on this is. year's roster that yeah. will go somewhere else. It's it's college basketball in the year twenty twenty. Yeah, there's always attrition. Yeah, I would. It wouldn't shock me at all if there's two. I think that yeah, I, that open up. I mean, so that leaves you three going into the off season. Yes. When you look at the guys you got coming back, 
and then the four kids that you're bringing in, who are three more plus Javen Johnson, I guess. Yeah. Who are three more things that you look at that it's like, man, they really need to get that. They need to get older. They need to get older for, yeah, for one junior college. Like I, I would go after the two best junior college guards you can find in any capacity and recruit the hell out of them and offer up all the playing time in the world. Yeah. It's just, yeah. That's the same thing Fred just did. <laughs> and that didn't work out very well. well. I know, but what, <laughs> el- my, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Is my point. Like yeah. Steve doesn't have forever, right? No. Now. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. Like I, I know that you're right, but that when you, it's and just I, when you put it that way, it's like that. That's what came to my mind is is well, like, damn that. I mean, a grad transfer not work before be fine, but like let's I look. Mean, at reality the, is, it's, that's probably not going to happen. Let's so. look at the grad transfer past here. Yeah. yeah, like it's not great. Yeah. So I would go after. Listen, like, all right. This is why it's not the end of the world, people. Iowa State still has a great basketball tradition. Mm-hmm. Still has one of the best fan bases in college basketball. If you go. To in JUCOs are a rare breed, man. Like they want playing time. Like they, these guys are not gonna. Go, it's a very rare JUCO that wants to go sit on the bench anywhere. And you can offer. You have a lot to offer up if you're Steve Prom going to a junior college player right now. Yeah. If you can go out and get a couple of Donovan Jacksons, or I, I don't know, like I'm just I, throwing I, him out yeah, there because I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just I'm saying it's like that can be a. I mean, people are in JUCO for a reason. No, I know. You know, so it's like... My my thing is, like, you already have good freshman guards coming in. Yeah. Like, I love those guys. I love this class. This is my favorite... This might be my favorite top-to-bottom recruiting class I've ever covered. I love this class that's coming in. And I think that they'll make immediate impact. I think all of those guys have a chance to be an immediate impact guy. So, that's great. But, But you've got to get older. And you've got to get tougher. And because the freshmen aren't going to be tough. Like they can, you know, hopefully you mold them into that during the off season, but you can't count on it. You've got to find nasty Jucos that I, I don't know what else you can do. Like more freshmen isn't going to change the immediate trajectory of the program. See, and that's what I was going to say. I, you almost need to get, you need to get like one guy who is a solid shooter and just like a junkyard dog defender, you know, from like that junior, you're talking level. about the guys that Scott Drew gets. Yeah, the guys that Scott Drew. You know, gets. yeah, like that's the, uh, that's the route they got to go. What's his name? Mooney, the guy yeah. that went to Texas Tech. He was obviously from he South was, Dakota. He was a grad but, transfer. Yeah, but but that kind of mold. That's what I'm talking about. You yeah. know, and uh, you know I mean, who it is? Is Tyrus McGee? By all means, and you might not get yeah. a guy who's a 50 percent three point yeah. shooter like Tyrus was, but that's what I'm saying. But above average three point. Got to get older. Yeah, and but then I think they also need someone who can come in and be a pure point guard. That would be ideal. And, uh, like you've got guys who can score. I mean, you know, Razier Bowl can put the ball in the basket. Unless, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this Jalen Brown's their point guard. Jalen Walker. Walker, yeah, excuse me. I wouldn't be surprised if he's their point guard next year. I'd still like to see them get another guy no, who's no, a you, point guard. You don't want to go to war with just one freshman yeah. as your guy. I'm just saying. Like, but I think if you can get those two things, a defender and a guy who's a, a pure point guard, then the other scholarship, it's like, do we want to try and focus on getting a wing scorer? Do we want to take another sit-out transfer? Like, what do we want to do at that point? Or do you take another high school kid? Like, yeah, it opens the, the right door for school. you to do that, you know? Yeah. I just think they need to get older. I, they've got to, you know, part of the problem with these guys going pro 
in Lard's situation where he didn't make it is it's just like the roster is not spaced out right. Mm-hmm. It hasn't got, been spaced out right for for a long time. Six years. So they've got to find a way to do that. Like if you, the one guy I always like to, uh, and Drew's like this now, but like look at Mark Few's roster is at Gonzaga. Like it's so predictable every year. They're going to have a couple transfers coming in. They got a Juco. They've got three high school kids. Like they, they, they've got it. It is so fluid over there. Yeah. Now that's obviously one of the top programs in college basketball, but you've got to you got to shoot for something. And they are there. I, I I haven't looked at the APR. I assume it's a mess with all the guys who have left. And I mean, is Solomon going to be the first guy that Steve's had yes. for all four years? Yes. Like that's my point. You've got to find a way to balance this roster out. It's not balanced right now. I think that especially when you're talking about like what we were saying, like the way we think Steve wants them to play, it's harder to do that with. Just a bunch of mismatched pieces. Right? Yeah. So, and, and me, listen, guys, and I, I know it's the last resort. Junior college players usually are. But I'm looking at it from the coaching staff's perspective. They can't miss the NCAA tournament three out of four years. They've got to find a way to change the trajectory of this thing right now. And I think that junior college recruiting is the best route to do that right now. It's too bad they everybody had to quit recruiting because uh, I know that the National Junior College Tournament was like the last people to cancel anything. They don't give a damn about your pandemic down in Hutchinson, Kansas. Hutchinson, Kansas. Uh, I've never been to that. You used to go to that all the time, didn't you? I did. It's a really good time, dude. You would have a lot of fun at, at the it Junior did. College Tournament. Yeah. It's a great opportunity to just, like, you never know who you're going to see. Scott Drew sat in front of me one year when I was down there. It was when I was young. Shocking. Very early on Scott in his Drew's time. Scott hanging out at the Juco farm. That probably was like 2006. So like right at the beginning of when they were kind of starting to turn it around. Yep. Yeah, it would have been that because he got the job. Young in, Scott Drew. He got the job in what, 2001 or 2000? Uh, it was after the, this was year 17, so it was 2003. That's when the, that's when all that stuff happened was in 2003. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we talked about that. Is there what's one, is there anything else that you see like for the off season that's like I my biggest thing is I don't know I don't know enough. Yeah. But I I just think that it's got to be a deal where you know, I sensed I sensed real frustration with Prome watch, watching him coach that team. Yeah. Just direction like defensive all that stuff. He if if guys aren't doing what he he's got to get get rid of them. He's got to run some guys. I think. Well, and, and I think that he you've got to this culture thing. Like he, he, you've got to find when these four guys come in this summer. Don't let there be crap hanging around. Yeah, that could get into their heads. Like you've got to start fresh. That's my thought. Well, and I liked what he said because if he wants to, if they, that's the way he wants the team to be, I liked what he said about how he needed to be more aggressive in some areas because I think that that's true. You know, I mean, you think about the kind of coaches that play that way. Uh, Not that, like, Tom Izzo probably isn't a nice guy, you know, off the basketball floor, and his players obviously love him. Uh, Bruce Weber obviously is an elite human being, and he's an elite defensive basketball coach. But those are intense dudes, you know, and – I don't know that the first thing that I would ever describe with Steve Prohm when you watch him coach is that he's an intense dude. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's like he needs to ratchet that up a little bit, too. And it's like that's why I like that from him to hear that. It's like if you want to demand that from your players, then, like, do it, you mm-hmm. know? Don't just, like, talk about it. Like, go and do it and be that way. I think, too, and this is where my relationship with Steve comes in, there's a lot to it that fans don't see. Yeah. Like, I've, I've been in their shoot-arounds and stuff. Like, it is an intense situation. Um, it's just, like, you've got to have – I don't know. It, there, it, there has to be, like – It doesn't seem like it's getting translated. There's too, it, there's too many times where you see guys doing things that you know – he does not want them to be doing. I know. And then he still doesn't take them out of the game. Well, and I think at the end of the year. Like he didn't I, have a choice at the end of the year. Yeah, I had a guy tweet at me on Wednesday saying, Prom's a garbage coach because he's starting Caleb Grill. Who does he want him to play? <laughs> That's my point. Like, I, like, he was playing walk-ons. In fairness, I'm, I actually know who they probably want him to play. But, you know. Are you talking about Terrence Lewis? Terrence Lewis and Zion, yeah. I mean, everybody wants them to play. Zion didn't play in that game on no. Wednesday night. I feel like a writing's kind of on the wall there. I think the writing's on the wall there, and I think the writing is on the wall with Terrence, too. I think the writing's been on the wall with Terrence for a long time, but that's a story for another day. We'll find out. Um, but, I, I mean, clearly those guys, just when you look at their playing time and stuff, right? something's going on. I don't think that we're... And whether or not that's like, you know, they they are being told to leave or something like that, like they clearly are not doing something that's putting them in the good graces of their coach. And again, like if that's the case, then run them. Yeah. Like, what's the point? I mean, if... if, if and, it, and it if, sounds bad to say that, but it's like it's Division One men's basketball. No, I... I that's I, just the reality. That's the way it goes. I, I have no idea, but my point is if, like, if you're at this point, like, where they're upperclassmen and they're not doing the right things and they're, you know, I, I, I there's a reason you're not playing them. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be better for them? Yeah. Like, I... I no, I agree. I'm not disagreeing it, with you. It, it, I'm not yeah, disagreeing no, with you in any way. And I'm, but I, what I'm saying though is like, let's say that one of those guys in this scenario transfers. You know what the fan reaction will be? Yeah. But my point is, it's like, well, you're 12 and 20 with these guys. You know, like yeah. you're 12 and 20. So I don't know. I would rather all these four freshmen and some JUCOs come in and play, and let's let's because. The this, you know, other than the other guys that we've we've already covered, I think that that's actually a nice little core. Mm-hmm. When you go Condit, Bolton, um, Young, Grill, and Jackson, I don't think that team's going to compete for an NCAA tournament. But I think if, Johnson, yeah, yeah, and and if you but if if these freshmen are what we think they are, and you put some pieces around them, I think you could have an entertaining year. Yeah, but again, like. The scenario we started with is like, oh, you have one scholarship if Tyrese goes pro. Well, I'm not confident with all those guys coming back that they're going to be making a push because yeah, I've uh, seen enough we, of it. Can we talk about that after yeah, a break? Absolutely. That, that's exactly where I was going to go. So we'll do that after we come back on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. 
We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's the 2019-20 Men's Basketball Postmortem Podcast. All right, so you started talking about the NCAA tournament next season um, and just the makeup of that roster. And that's exactly what I was going to say to you is I think the reality of it is that if you've got that group and you bring in seven newcomers plus Javen Johnson to make it eight, yep. like I, what, what can be a realistic expectation going into next year? I mean, we obviously don't know who those guys are, but it's like, do you get what I'm saying? Like yeah, what's, it's not what's the NCAA a fair, tournament. What's a fair expectation? Because the rea- I think reality is too, like Steve Prom Steve Prom is gonna be coaching for it a little bit. No, he needs to he needs to like he said after the game on Wednesday, he needs to get back to the he what did he say? He goes, I'm looking forward to leading this program and getting back where we need to be. Yeah. No, but like that group that you that's not an NCAA tournament team unless like and, and the natives are restless. Yeah, I get it. And if if you know, like there's not these development taken, if 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 the recruiting doesn't go right, I don't think that's a tournament team. But I still think you can expect improvement on twelve and twenty. Yeah. I mean, that I, you I mean, yeah, sh- I you agree. should expect that. I'm not saying you'll get it, but like So I, I, I really do. I think the four freshmen coming in, like um, are better than most people are probably because everybody's just so down, which I get. But I don't th- like again. You've got to find a way to freaking get older. Like you can't just re- rely on four freshmen every time. What I'm trying to ask is for us to be sitting here next year at this time, thinking not and not be thinking, man, Steve Brom is probably going to lose his job. <laughs> Like what? What has to happen oh, in, that, okay. in that sense? That's okay. what I'm trying to say. I, I thought you were it's, asking. Does what? that mean get to the tournament? Yeah, I think he needs to get back to the tournament. So if he doesn't get to the tournament, then no, like, I, I still think like let's say that they're an NIT team and boy, like these freshmen are. So like, you think if they made the NIT and it like it looks like they're really coming in the right direction? I think that, that he would have okay. a shot to keep his job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That that's what I was trying to ask. I and thought you were asking me. Like, what is the ceiling for this team? Like, in, oh. in the setup that you were giving me? No, that's that's what I. I'm sorry, I didn't pose the question the right way. But yeah. this is that was what I was trying to understand. I no, that's I, what I want to know. Going or I'm trying to figure. I out think Iowa State year. fans are smart enough yeah. to see. Okay, this thing's turning the corner. But they're also smart enough to know in the middle of January if it's not, and that's where it'll become a problem. Yeah. Like this year, I mean, I think we all knew after Prairie View, Florida, Florida whatever. Doesn't it's got matter. A&M at the end and it's not Texas. Yeah. We all knew the writing was on the wall. I felt really good coming back from the Bahamas, even with two losses, because they played Michigan really well. Um, they blew out Alabama, which had a good year under NATO. It's not great, but a good year. And they, they fought Seton Hall tough. Then they beat them. The next game, and I'm like, okay, this is. Um, and then the, then that loss happened, and the TCU loss. Man, if that kid doesn't hit the shot against TCU, um, 
and then the you know they blow the lead against Texas. There's two games right there. I don't know. It's just and Tyrese doesn't get hurt. It's like everybody's still pissed because you're not in the tournament. But is it to the level that it is now? So my point is like I I'm going to give them the benefit of doubt this offseason. I want to. I'll see what happens. And I I don't. I think it'll be difficult for Steve to be here in two years if they don't go to the tournament, but I don't think it's impossible, especially when I look at the athletic director. Mm -hmm. He has a very patient hand for this type of stuff. We know that. We've seen that. Yeah. (laughs) Right or wrong. I mean, you can. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Right or wrong. Fans can judge if they like it or not, but I I appreciate it. I, I think that. I would rather have a guy like that than firing somebody every three years because yeah. I don't think that you can realistically build at Iowa State by doing that. Now, I the the worry that I have, and the, and this is where I don't even think that it, it'll be in Pollard's hands, is the attendance. Mm-hmm. If that starts dropping off at Hilton Coliseum, that's when it's going to be a problem. Yeah. So I think that you know this conversation we're having is going to be greatly dictated by momentum and that's and what momentum I, is going to be dictated by fan excitement yeah and that was my my next question what like at this point is there anything you think that can happen in the off season that will get people to be optimistic going into the season because i know the people that i'm friends with that talk about are not optimistic well i mean yeah and i know that we're right in the middle of it we're right in the middle of it and as we get closer everybody gets more optimistic but it's like I, I think that if you can, if they can get a couple of like highly ranked JUCO guards, I do think it changes the dynamic a little bit. I think that yeah, I think you're right. But, but I, it, I do, I do think too that there is everyone is going to go into all of this with a a heavy dose no of doubt. skepticism, and they should. I don't see a scenario where they're not picked worse than like seventh in the Big Twelve next year. It would surprise me if they're not picked ninth or tenth. Yeah, I, me too. But I'm, yeah, I'm saying like just in general. Yeah, yeah, I think like you're right. I, I don't even if like recruiting is an absolute grand slam in the spring, I don't think they can push themselves up to higher than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Without really breaking down who's coming back, and I'm, ass- I, I'm assuming the Big Twelve will be better next year. Yeah, a lot of those teams will be older. Yeah. And that's another reason why I keep stressing you have to get older because everybody else is going to. See, and this is what – so when we're talking about this and it's like, oh, you're going to – you bring these guys back, but you're bringing in seven, eight new players. It goes back to the thing we just talked about, that you want to play a certain way, but then you're turning the whole roster over again. Yeah, but again – And it's like – but it, so, like, that's where it's like a slippery slope. Can Lewis level. and Zion even play that way? No, and I, and I don't know. Like, But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's some level of it's like – yeah, it, no it, doubt. It, you're in a you're sticky, playing with fire a little bit. They've been playing with fire for a while. They've been playing with fire for point. ten years. That's really. why they're in this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah going back to the Hoiberg era. Yeah, like this is. <laughs> I mean, Bloom and I had this conversation on the radio show. There's a two lot weeks of ago, three weeks there's ago. There's so many moving parts that it's really hard to develop that culture it, there, unless you have the four year guy. I wrote this column two weeks ago. Unless you have the Edgems, the the Fred had those guys. Steve's had one guy who's been with him for four years and is going to be Solomon Young. One. It's crazy because it's like Iowa State basketball is a team where every year you set up the dominoes. And it's like if the dominoes fall in the exact perfect way, 
then things can go really, really well. You can go to the Sweet 16 and you can win the Big 12 tournament and all that kind of stuff. But it's like if just one domino falls poorly, then everything can just blow up, which yeah. is like what happened in like 2015 with, you know, everything was going really well. You have the one literal blow up <laughs> in the first round, it, uh, it, you know, in the locker room at halftime or whatever was going on. Yeah. And it's like, and everything falls apart. You have a blow up last year and it, for a little bit, it works out and it's like, and then just it peters out and you get your ass kicked by Ohio state in the first round, you know? And it's like, it's just crazy how it's like been, they've been living in a house of cards for however long. Welcome to Iowa state, buddy. I mean, this has been the case. No, I'm, and I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm, it's I'm, like I'm not like it's new. I'm, I'm taking it back to Tim Floyd. It's wild. It's it's like, it's it's a it's a job where you're constantly relying on transfers, sprinkling in a JUCO, and you hope that your four year guys develop to the point and you and you can't miss. You know, there's just not a lot of margin for error in this job, and I, you know, I think that's just the reality of it. Yeah. So we'll see. It's a. Um, but they've got to bring in guys this this spring. Last thing, make a prediction for the offseason. Uh, I, I think that they'll go heavy Juco. I think that they'll take two Juco guards. Um, let's see. With that third scholarship, either a high school guy or a grad transfer. I don't think that they'll get a sit-out transfer. I don't I think, think you can afford to. I think they need for they the need, conversation we just had. They need guys now. Yeah, you gotta get guys who can come in. And, and I, I think that, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that they're gonna go heavy JUCO though. Yeah, and I, I think that they're probably already working on it. I'm sure. I, they, I, yeah. I think that that's probably been a thing that they've been on for a while. Sure, that they are. Um, my prediction for the off season. I don't even know. We don't play Cap City. I would surprise me if they did that. Well, that sucks. No, this would I mean, actually I, be a good year to play in the Cap City, but we, I mean, can the coronavirus I was gonna say, it's, would it even, like, was, allow us to? The coronavirus scares me about this deal. Maybe it's like, we, I mean, won't, they, we won't know if George Condit's like, putting his weight on. Well, there's only, like, a couple hundred people at the Cap City. By June, you'd like to think maybe. I don't know. Well, it did just cancel the Cardinal Series. Yeah, but that's because all the teams aren't playing. Like, the SEC and stuff shut. They're not playing games. Yeah, I don't know. That was still weird to me that it's like we're canceling events that are three months out now. Yeah, that one made sense to me just because of, like, the qualifying for it. But the, um, I don't know. I, I could see this whole coronavirus thing, though, like being an excuse for Iowa State if they didn't want their guys playing in that. Yeah. To, like, pull them out. Because I... I think there's people who probably haven't wanted them to be playing for a while. I anyway. would agree with that too. Yeah. I almost feel like the league's lost its luster a little bit too. It's nothing know. against those guys. It's no, just like, that's just, I think that's just, but the it's, way it it's is. hard. Like when you're a fan and you don't know who's going to show up when, yeah, like that's the frustrating part for me. Well, and it goes back to this same conversation we've been having when these guys don't last here very long, <laughs> you know, no doubt. I mean, if people are just in and out the door, I think it's a big problem with college basketball. I think yeah. it's an actual problem with college basketball. If college basketball was like college football where these guys had to stay three years, it would be immensely more popular. I truly believe that. I, I, it's one of the reasons why I prefer the women's game. But is I, that – okay, is, is, that, uh, is that problem a player's problem? Is that a 
coach's problem is like whose problem is that you know i think it's just the game like that's just the reality yeah the way that the rules are set up right now i would agree no yeah absolutely it's not i'm not blaming anybody but i'm saying like i think it hurts the game probably it's it's way less entertaining for me i mean college college basketball was bad this year like it was top to bottom yeah awful yeah it was not good and it was entertaining to me still because I love college basketball. See, I watch immensely more NBA now. I'll watch Big 12 women's basketball over some of these middle of the pack. Because I know the girls. crazy team, uh, NBA know, players last longer in I, cities than college players. I know do. who the girls are, though. Yeah. Like, I've followed their careers. I like that about the college game. You don't get that in the men's game anymore. I hate it. Like, I, I, I really do. Like, I, I mean, of course, I'm always going to root for Iowa State and whatnot. But it drives me nuts about this this product, and like I don't blame players for going pro, but the amount of transferring and like I, it just sucks. We're just getting started with that. It just sucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I think that the like three point line was garbage. Like you know, all these guys. That I think that will adjust back to the mean. It but, has to. Uh, the, I mean, the transfer thing. Like I think the reality is there that what they're going to do by giving every kid an opportunity to transfer once is the right thing. I mean. It may be, but I, I also think it still sucks. Yeah, and that, that's fine. You know, I like, think as, morally, if someone wants to be a traditionalist, then that's fine. I think morally it's fine, but I don't think, it, like, for the health of the game, I don't think it's good. Yeah, I just don't think that any individual person should be worried about the health of the game when they're trying to decide whether or not they're in the right situation for no, themselves. Again, you don't misconstrue me. I'm not blaming players. Yeah. I'm saying the way this thing's set up, I don't, like... But that's what bothers me, like, when you see coaches complain about that it's bad for the game it's like the game isn't well kids gotta do what's right for them and there's man this could be a whole other podcast but there's so many bad people around college basketball that don't exist in football it's never gonna change though like the some of these like aau coaches and juco guys out there who are littering these guys brains are so they're they're the ones I blame. I mean, the best thing that actually could happen is where a lot of these kids who are high level recruits could just go and play professionally, and, yeah, it, would, and, and it wouldn't matter. And, it, and maybe the, the majority, they're going to bet on themselves. The majority of them will fail. Yeah, they'll bet on themselves. Yeah. But they, that's I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just think that's the reality. Yeah. You know, I, it's like if you want to talk about what's best for college basketball, it's like. Change the rule. Well, it's an it, NBA. Have, we'll have it, it, the NBA is going to change that yeah, rule. That's the NBA. Yeah, the and NCAA just kind of just goes with that. But that go, that falls on the NBA then too to say, kid, you're not ready to come and play in the NBA. And it's you know, but that's because too many people don't want to like, live in reality. Go to an Iowa Wolves game in front of 200 people. Yeah, when Lindell Wigginton and Taylor Horton Tucker are both playing, and then go to Hilton Coliseum when they're 12 and 19. And it's still three-fourths full. There's a very stark contrast between those two situations. One of those, I think, is going to work out, and one of them is not. I, I strongly believe that. I think Taylor's going to have a very good professional career. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even analyzing but, that. My point is that fans of college basketball think a certain way, for the most part, and they don't want to see – they like watching guys go through. Yeah. That it's fun for them. It's no, fun. I I mean I like that. Yeah, I would rather watch. I prefer to watch Peyton Pritchard, you know, and play all four years at the University of Oregon, 
than I do to watch uh, whoever cashes Winston or Stanley or whatever it is at Duke. Like Duke changes its entire team every year. You don't even Which know who I they hate. are. Yeah, and that's what I I'm saying. That. Like, like I just I hate that. Well, when Bloom talks about this, you how do you even hate the teams Iowa State plays against? You can't because you don't know it. Like they're so different every year, right? And but I think that some of that will adjust because I think that when the NBA does change its rule, there will be more people that stay. I hope. And I just don't trust the um, scoundrels around a lot of these AAU pro- programs and stuff. Well, that's fair. I mean, because I, I think as long as this AAU thing's such a problem and I don't see it going away. I mean, look at the whole Adidas thing and what's the backlash from that's going to be. It's going to be nothing. Um, these guys yeah, show up. Yeah, because Kansas self-imposed the. These guys show up, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them show up very entitled, thinking that they from they, they don't want to work for their time anymore, and then they'll transfer. And Iowa State has benefited from that very thing. Jamil McKay, um, Deontay, Burton. Deontay Burton was like that. Abdul Nader was like that. Um, so it, Iowa State's benefited from this a lot. But I just I don't, I don't think just like getting rid of one and done is going to change the problem. I think that there's a core problem in the sport of basketball that you don't get in other sports. I think that coaches' abilities to retain their players is going to become oh yeah, you got to you exponentially re- more important. Which sucks for that too, because then you're basically recruiting guys during the year. Well, you know what that Fran McCaffrey. I was just going to say well. the person that I actually have to give props to for that is Fran McCaffrey because he very very rarely has people who are contributors on his team leave. Isaiah Moss did, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that almost was a net positive for them at the end of the Maybe. day. Yeah. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like he has done a very good job of being able to keep people in his program to where they develop and grow. I think it's cause he plays so many guys, um, which has been a detriment to him at, at times, but I think it's kind of paid off this year. Yeah. I mean, Scott Drew does a really good job of keeping people around. Like they don't have people coming and going now that he doesn't do the one and done thing really anymore. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem with Iowa State, too. Whenever you're going to get a one-and-done type guy, it's never like a slam-dunk guy either. Well, like, Tom Izzo does that, too. Yeah. Like he, He's able to keep people around. Cassius, Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman. Yeah. You know, people who play three, four years of college basketball. And, I, I, and Iowa State's done that when they were winning. Yeah. Like, it's, but how do you do it now? How do you get back to that? You know, that's what I think it comes down to from an Iowa State perspective is – you know, and maybe it means not recruiting the guys that are going to be the number 25 recruit in the country. Yeah. And it, I think I mean, that's like, a problem too, though. Like nobody really thought Taylor was going to be a one and done. Nobody. That's my point. These guys are tweeners. Yeah. You're the, they're not getting McDonald's all Americans, you know, like yeah. even like Foster. Okay. Like he's not a, that's a guy who, yeah, I could see like potentially being here two years and leaving, but that's probably what's in his head. Yeah. Well, but like is Ty- he really? I don't, I don't know. Nobody saw Tyrese being gone after two years. He was supposed to be a four-year guy. Yeah. So, again, like, I, I, and I, I don't know. I think if the 20th ranked player in the country wants to come play for you, you have to take him every time. Well, yeah. I mean. Like, I don't think you stop ob- recruiting. Obviously. But that, that's just, to me, it's like what – I don't know. I, I don't know what the best way to do it is because you look at the guys that Iowa State has had the most success with, those four-year guys that we're talking about, and there are people who were 
yes, they were recruited high, like, you know, highly touted. They were ranked high. Monte was obviously Mr. Basketball in Michigan. George was yeah, had Monte a lot of was like a three star. Like he wasn't like this slam dunk guy. But that's because they had something about them mm-hmm. that was inherently that inherently knocked them down a peg. Yeah, you know George was he was fat. He was fat, and he was not the prototypical you know four man or any. He wasn't a three man. He was a tweener, but he just he worked his ass off, and he was just so crafty, and he had a great feel for the game. Monte weighed like 130 pounds or whatever it was when he got to Ames. You know, I mean, it was more than 130, but it was, was not tiny. very much. It's like, so, you know, it's like, it doesn't take getting those guys that are really high level. You just get the ones that are the right guys. Get the right people. Yeah. We we'll went on a, really went on a tangent there, but. Yeah, we're, we're coming at this from two different generations, too, I think. Yeah. I just, I've really, the last five, this isn't like a last it's the last five years have started to sour on college basketball. No, I just, it's not even that. I just, I've been around the recruiting aspect of this world for too long to know how, like, I don't know. I miss the days of like where the high school coach had a lot of influence. Yeah. You know, I mean the, I will maintain the transfer thing. I think is the right thing. Like what? Being able to transfer once, I think, is the right, right yeah, thing. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And, and again, like, I think if your culture's good enough, you don't really have a lot to worry about. Right. Um, but, yeah. like, I just – the NBA changing that will help. I I think the game as a whole, though, and I would guess – and I, I haven't really seen data on this, but TV ratings are down in college basketball, I would guess. Well, think when a lot Over of this started. A lot of these problems started when the one-and-done thing – yeah, started. I know. That's what I mean. Like, I, I just, and I get like football and basketball are two different things. I don't think you can dictate a basketball player has to stay there for three years. I don't. I don't think that's like the morally right thing to do. It's just a completely different game. Yeah, you can. Hang, I, you can I, hang as a nineteen-year-old. My game, my greater point is, I think that that benefits football greatly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like the fact that Trevor Lawrence is coming back for a third year is good for college football. It may not be good for him. Yeah. But for that game, it absolutely is. Well, the reality in football, dude, like you, if you're 19 years old and you're going to, they ask you to go and slam head to head with a 29 year old, that ain't going to work yeah, out. Yeah, no. Right? I, like it's just a completely different game. Not arguing that, but I'm, I'm saying like the way that it's, yeah, the rules, way it's structured is, and, but it's, it it's like, it benefits the game. It's that way for a reason, you know? Yeah. It's, but that's where it comes back to like, like the idea of not letting these high school kids in is stupid. Like, if they can go, it's up to the NBA team to do your work and get your scouting done to where you know it's going to work out. Don't get burned. Like, there's busts in every draft. Mm-hmm. The Cavs took so. Anthony Bennett with the number one pick one year. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he went to college, you know. So. I, want, I want that to open back up, too, because then it, it levels out all these douchebag AAU coaches who are, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I like, as much as I hate to see the kids get brainwashed by these losers – it levels them out a little bit too. Yeah. And I mean, I think if, if they did do that, then I think the NCAA should make it where if a kid goes into the draft and he doesn't get picked, then he should be able to go to school. Like, yeah, that'll probably come too. And I, and I just think that that's the right thing to do at that point, you know? Yeah. With all the different changes in amateurism and stuff like that, I, I would guess that that would be one that would eventually happen. Or if not, like um, you work with the G league somehow and like, there's gotta be some sort of synergy there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't but, know. Ne- but right now there's not because the G League is under this total like um, they think that they're going to be like replace college basketball, which they never will. 
Yeah, no. They they never will. Fans don't have a tie to these who, G League teams. Who thinks that? Oh, they're talk to some G League folks. Man. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I believe you. They think that, but that's if you really believe that, then you're an idiot. Correct. Like that's just it, fans aren't packing Hilton Coliseum to watch Prentice Nixon play. They're there because no. it's Iowa State. Yeah. And same, I shouldn't use Prentice. More like Taylor, right? I mean, yeah. Taylor played or Lindell played in Des Moines all year. Yeah. And they didn't. They don't draw, you know, and it's nothing against Lindell, but people are there to support Iowa State, and they'll support anybody who wears that uniform. But, like, they're not – if you don't give back, like, they'll go to Utah games because it's Niang, but that's pretty rare, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, but that's where it's like when people talk about, oh, like, why, you know, players aren't liked as much by the fans or whatever like that, it's like I – That's I, I also think that some players just don't care. Yeah. No, the players have to do their yeah. their, their end. And like I said, I, just, I think that some people just don't care. Like that's it was pretty obvious that Lindell didn't. And and I agree with you. I 100% agree with that. I mean, this was a very much just a stopping point for him. And coming back here, man, I you know like I I know 100% the way that that you know went through his mind. I don't think that he, by any means this is where he wants to be. And I mean, obviously, but. Uh, I don't think he could – it could be anywhere. He's just – I just don't want to be there. Yeah. Don't want to be in college anymore. It's like, and that's – that is what it is. Uh, all right, man. We're about an hour. So, if you got to go and go do radio. I got to go do a radio show yeah. about the coronavirus for two hours. Yeah, you only got about uh, 30 more of those shows left. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll thanks take for, I'll take five yeah, of them for you. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, I'll take five of them for you to cut it down to perfect uh, to twenty five. But all right, man. We'll uh, it's been a good conversation. We'll have some stuff next week. We're putting our plans together and everything. But I know we got some good stuff cooking here uh, over the next couple weeks and some some things that I think will be pretty fun. So thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Carl Chevrolet. Thanks to Ames Eye Des Moines Eye Care for supporting us here at Cyclone Fanatic, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Have a great weekend.